Well, 2013 is behind us, and a new year is before us, and with New Year's uh, comes New Year's resolutions, generally, often. Uh, how many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? Okay, a few. Uh, statistics show that about 45% of people make New Year's resolutions, so we're kind of right in there. But even if you don't make an official revolution, uh, re- revolution <laughs> start a revolution now, resolution, uh, about 99% of us would agree that the New Year is a time when we kind of look at that as a chance for a new beginning in some ways, a fresh start to kind of start something new and to look ahead to changes that we would like to see in the year ahead. And uh, after all the New Year's resolutions that I've made, I've kind of made a resolution not to make resolutions because of the unsuccess that I've had in in keeping those. But um, the good news is that there's actually a better way to see real change in our lives. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at how God can help us change in the areas where we long to see change. And we're starting a new message series this morning. The title is GPS, God's Positioning System. And in this series, we're looking at the story of the Exodus in Scripture to see how God moved his people out of slavery and into the promised land and to apply some of those principles to our lives. Um, During this series, we're also going to be looking at the goals that we've set as a church And right now you're looking at baselines goals, I believe. Uh, This morning I discovered that uh, we had switched the message notes for the two churches. So they had your goals this morning and now you have theirs. Uh, So we won't be looking at those today. I'll reprint them next week and we'll talk about them. Your goals are different than their goals. but uh, So now you know what they're up to this year. But we'll be looking at those goals and talk about some ways that we can be involved in reaching those goals together. But this series is also about how God works in our life to help us to move into new things and better places. So um, you'll be able to apply everything that we're learning to your lives as well. And the title for the message today is Acquiring Satellites. Uh, If you have a GPS or a smartphone or maybe you've got right on the dash of your car, the navigation system right there. Uh, Anytime that you turn that on, uh, hit the app on your phone, turn your GPS on to chart a course from here to there, the first thing that happens is that that system has to acquire a satellite and uh, locate a satellite to determine your position, telling you exactly where you are. Uh, The GPS device can't chart a course for you until it has a starting point, and that's true in your lives as well. So we're going to start this morning by taking a minute to reflect on your here. Uh, The GPS identifies where you are. We're going to start there this morning too. Um, We all have some area in our life where we'd like to see some change. Uh, If you don't, then I hope that you'll listen throughout the rest of the series Uh, for ways that you can help this church as we're reaching towards some of the goals that we're making as a church. But for the majority of us, uh, we have at least some one area where we would like to see God at work in our life, moving us into something better. 
Uh, and in your bulletin, if you want to pull out your message notes, there's a space there that says, I am here, and a little blank after that. And as you think about your life uh, and the year ahead, there may be some things that you're very happy with, things that uh, in your family, your career, those kinds of things that you're satisfied with, and you would say, I'm happy right here. But it's likely that there are some other areas in your life where there's a gap between where you are and where you would like to be. And you're here is a situation, a problem, a relationship that's not working, uh, maybe something that you've already made a New Year's resolution uh, about. So here is different for every one of us. Uh, here might be bitterness or anger or unforgiveness towards someone that you can't get rid of. Or it may be, you're here may be a financial mess. Uh, for some of you here might be an addiction to a substance or gambling or uh, even food. And that addiction has you in bondage in a place that you don't want to be. So everyone's here is different. If you'll just take a moment and write something on that I am here line. Something that you would like to see change in. Uh, movement in. So you might write, I'm here stressed about money. I'm here arguing with my spouse every day. Uh, if you read my newsletter, maybe uh, you've set a spiritual goal for the coming year, and you're here as I'm here, and I want to uh, make this uh, set, uh, move towards this goal in my spiritual life, something that I want to begin doing, I want to have God's help with. And then right below that, you'll see a little checkbox check that says, I would like to move towards God's there. Here is wherever you are, and there is where God would have you move in your life. And for the Israelites in the scripture that we're going to be studying over the next five weeks, that was the promised land. That was the place that God was taking them. And God has a, had a purpose and a place for our church and for your life as well. And throughout this series, we'll be looking at how God can help us to get there. Okay, so now that you've identified you're here, and I've written something down at home too, and might get brave to share it at some point, but uh, not today. Um, so uh, for the Israelites, though, uh, we're going to look at their story and... In, if you, want, if you have your Bible and want to open up to chapter 1 of Exodus, we're going to look at, uh, start in verse 6. But for the Israelites, they're lo they were located uh, at the beginning of the book of Exodus in Goshen. And you can hardly read the word Goshen. It's right under that little red dot. But that was in Egypt. That had been their uh, location for about 400 years they had come down from uh, Canaan into Egypt uh, during Joseph's lifetime uh, when there was a great famine in the land. You remember that story? And Joseph had, God had worked through him to store up food in, in Egypt. So the Israelites went down there to miss out on the, uh, to, so that they would be safe and uh, so God had been nurturing them in that place for about 400 years. But over time, things changed. And this is how Scripture describes their situation when uh, we begin the book of Exodus. 
So if you want to read with me in Exodus 1, starting in verse 6. Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. So they're, they're not in a good situation at all. And it looks like God has forgotten them. And if you think about, this is like eight generations of people who have waited for God to do something in their time and nothing is happening, or it's so it seems. But as you look at the scriptures, you discover that that's not the case at all that God was doing something in them at that time and that they were about to see God do something in a big way. And as you think about the area of your life where you would like to see God move, whether it's something that seems impossible or something that is uh, small, you, so small you feel like maybe you shouldn't even be bringing it to God, God cares about you and he will help you if you'll turn to him. And over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about some biblical principles about how God moves us from our here to his there. Uh, And to to get us started with that, we're going to look at three truths that we all need to remember uh, during this series. So if you want to pull out your message notes, if you haven't already got those out, uh, we're going to look at these three truths that you need to remember at all times, but especially in regards to uh, moving to this new thing that God has for you. So the first thing to remember is that you are on God's radar. God knows about your needs. He knows about your situation. He hears your prayers. Uh, You're not outside of God's reach. You have not moved beyond God's ability to find and help, and he has not forgotten you. Um. He moved Israel to Egypt on purpose. It was the perfect place for them to grow as a nation. I mean, we read it in the scripture. They were multiplying. They were uh, scary in the way that they were growing. And we'll say more about that in a few weeks. But God not only knew where they were, uh, he was fitting everything together for his purposes. And there may be a number of reasons why we are in the places or the situations that we're in. Uh, sometimes God puts us in a place on purpose for to accomplish his purposes. And I believe that God has put this church here 
on purpose. I think you all believe that as well. God has used it mightily in the past, and he has plans for it right now in this time and for these generations and, and in this place. Uh, and he has a plan for your life as well. And there are numerous reasons, like I said, for your current here. But the first thing that you need to know about it this morning is that God knows about it, that you are on God's radar. He hasn't forgotten you. And as, but as comforting as it is to know that God hasn't forgotten us, that we're on his radar, um, we, what we really want to know is that God can help us and that he will help us and wants to help us to move from our here to his there. Uh, God knew about the suffering of his people, and as we'll see next week, he was about to act in a powerful way on their behalf. But he wasn't acting on a whim. He was acting on a promise. And the second truth that we need to remember um, as you're looking to God for help is that God always does what he promises to do. God always does what he promises to do. Uh, There are many things that God can do. Uh, God can do anything. But God doesn't always do everything that he can do. But he always does everything that he promises to do. And um, it may not be in your timing. It may not look like you thought it would look. But God is a promise-keeping God. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles again to Genesis chapter 15, hundreds of years before the Exodus, God made a promise to Abraham. He promised him a son. Uh, He promised him that he would have descendants from that son as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Another time he said as numerous as the stars in the sky. And when God made this promise to Abraham, he also made a covenant with him. If you want to read about that, you can read it in chapter 15 of, of Genesis. But at the end of, after he's made this covenant with him, then he gives him a little bit of bad news, uh, followed by a promise. And we're going to look at that in Genesis uh, chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. Then the Lord said to him, to Abraham, right after he'd made the covenant with him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. So God not only knew where the Israelites were, lived were he had promised Abraham hundreds of years before that that though they would be mistreated he would rescue them and God was about to act on that promise God is a promise keeping God and when God's word says that I will never leave you or forsake you you can know that God is with you when God's word says there is no place that you can go that is apart from my presence then you know that God has not lost track of you. When his word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you can know that whatever it is that you've written on that line, whatever it is that you're longing to see change in, whatever it is that you have a need in that area and you're looking to God for help, you can know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
Um, look at for at a minute for a minute at the I am here that you wrote on the uh, your bulletin. God has made at least one promise that's specific to that situation, and this is our memory verse again this week. And we've had it as a memory verse before, but it's like right up there at the top of verses that you should know where it's located and what it says because it's so important to your Christian faith. Uh, so let's read it together. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight. Does anybody already have that memorized? Yeah. It's a great verse. God knows, and he's working in this situation for your good. That's a promise. See, God cannot not keep his promises because he is completely who he is in his character. He is not just a little faithful. He is completely faithful. There is no turning or darkness in him, and his promises are good because of who he is. There is no deceit in him in any measure. So what God says he will do, he does. Uh, Psalm 145.13 says, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does. God wants to move you from your here to his there. And over the next few weeks we're, uh, and in the year ahead, God may provide a Moses who will walk with you and lead you and Uh, into your promised land. He may lead you by his Holy Spirit into a better place. Uh, It may not look like you thought it would look, as I said earlier. Instead of fixing the other person, God may want to fix something in you. Uh, Rather than taking you out of a situation, God may want to teach you something about himself in that situation. But God is always at work in our lives for our good, and he will use everything for his purposes if you will turn to him and allow him and and believe in him. And Jesus is our assurance that God will follow through on his promises. Uh, Look at 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. doesn't matter how many promises you're leaning on, they're all yes in Jesus Christ. Jesus' death and resurrection are our proof that God has the power, that he has the willingness, that he loves us enough to act on our behalf. And that leads to the third truth that we can hold on to during this series, and, and that is that nothing is impossible with God. There is absolutely nothing that is impossible with God. Uh, Jesus said that, so we've got Jesus' word on it. And there is no here that is too big for God to move you out of into his there. Uh, You may think that your situation is just too impossible, but it is not. Nothing is impossible with God. And the new year is an opportunity for a new beginning. And God is the author of new stories. He's the author of changed lives and of new directions. And as you think about that New Year's resolution or that area of your life that you would like to see change in, uh, it may seem like an impossible dream or an impossible situation, but God is the God of the possibilities. 
And the Israelites, uh, when they were in slavery, they were in slavery to, like, the top power, uh, superpower of that time. And it seemed impossible that they would ever have anything else for their lives. But when God began to move, things changed quickly. And when God moves in your life, he's not in our time frame. Uh, he moves in his timing. And things can change quickly or they, God can unfold things. Uh, he'll, he'll unfold things perfectly for you. The communion table is our reminder that there's nothing too big for God. When his disciples saw Jesus' body taken down from the cross, they must have thought that all was lost. But death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. And there is nothing impossible for God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some practical steps that you can take to go from just just trying harder, which is usually what we do when we make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to try harder to eat healthy, or I'm going to try harder, you know, to exercise or whatever it is. But we can move from going, try, from trying harder to experiencing God's strength and his uh, enabling in our lives. As you come to the communion table this morning, before you come, I would invite you to just pray about what you've written on that line, turn it over to God, Ask him to help you to be the Moses that leads you, to have his Holy Spirit leading and guiding you um, through that and to give you the strength and the wisdom that you need so that everything is done for his glory. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you and we praise you uh, for the Christmas season where we're reminded of the depth of your love, that you would come and take on flesh so that you know what it's like to be a person, so that you would know what it's like to suffer and to hurt and to have pain and to have to trust. And so, God, I I pray that you will give us the courage and the strength and everything that we need as we think about the changes that we would like to see in our lives, to look to you to guide us and teach us and show us the way forward. And we pray for this church this morning. We thank you so much for its ministry and its witness here in the community and all the ways that it's touching and impacting those around us. And we pray that as we're working towards and looking at the goals that we've set this year, that you'd be the one that would guide us and give us the wisdom each step of the way so that everything's done perfectly and done in a way that glorifies you and grows your church. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Communion in the United Methodist Church is uh, an open table. That means that everybody is welcome to come. Uh, we're receiving, receiving communion by intinction this morning. And the offering will be received as you come forward for communion. And I want to um, read a couple of scriptures to you this morning, and then we'll receive the uh, elements. The first scripture comes from uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and 24. It said, says that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then from Isaiah 53, 2 through 5. We don't have these scriptures. Okay. I'll just read them. Isaiah 53, 2 through 5. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And then this scripture from 1 Corinthians 11, 25 and 26. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying... This cup is the covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Friends, the body and blood of Christ given for us.